morning, y'all. I'm back up again. <laughs> All right, y'all. So uh, you guys ready for the word? All right, about four of y'all ready. Y'all ready for the word? Yeah. All right. Praise God. Amen. As you guys know, um, I am chilling right now, just trying to get a refill, um, prepping myself for our September series on the Holy Spirit. Um, I am still teaching Wednesday Bible studies. Um, we're going through the series of the book of Romans. And on today, um, we're up to Romans 3. Um, those of you that have missed um, the series, uh, you can go to the podcast. We did do Romans 1, which is on the podcast. Romans 2, we did in Bible study. Um, so today, we're going to do Romans 3. Uh, we broke it down into four sections, and we have uh, four speakers that are going to break down Romans 4 today for us. So um, I'm, I'm just going to get up now. After this, they're going to flow. Um, they have 10 minutes apiece. They've been allotted 10 minutes. Um, after each one goes, the other one can just jump right up. I don't think I got to get in the middle and be the MC. <laughs> um, so we're going to flow through Romans 3. So while they're prepping, I want you guys to grab your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Romans 3. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're literally going to go through every verse on today through the speakers, okay? So our first speaker is uh, Brother Darnell Herbert. Um, come on, clap your hands. Um, as he comes at this time uh, to expound uh, on the first portion of Romans. Four, right? Four. No, I'm joking. I got to be myself today. Um, if everyone can just bow their heads for a moment. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and your everlasting kindness. Lord God, we ask you to touch each and each and every single one of the speakers, Lord God. Allow your words to come through us, Lord God. Allow it to saturate the hearts of the people that are in the crowd today, Lord God. Lord God, let it impact lives, Lord God. Let it set free. Let it remove the shackles and the bonds that people feel in their minds, Lord God. Bless them right now. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. All right, look. Um, so uh, I have a little title. It's called Cause and Effect, The Question of Consequences. All right, so basically what we have here in Romans 3, 1 through 8, um, it's a lot to read, so I'm going to go ahead and just try to read it as quickly as I can, but I am a slow reader, so I do apologize to any of those that are advanced. So, what advantage does a Jew have, or what benefit of what is the benefit of circumcision? Consider in every way, first, that they were entrusted with the very word of God. What then? If some were unfaithful, were their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. <clears throat> Let God be true, and even though everyone is a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words, I'm sorry, that you may be justified in words and triumph when you judge. But, and our unrighteousness highlights God's, try that again, but if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? I am using a human argument. Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if by my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, just as some people slanderously claim we say, let us do what is evil so that good may come. Their condemnation is deserved. So that's Romans 1 through 8. I'm saying Romans 3, 1 through 8. 
So I have about six points, and I'm just going to get to it. So my first point is I want to kind of take something from uh, Romans 1 um, in the 20th uh, verse, and it says, as a result, people are without excuse, okay? Meaning that some of us, yes, are new converts, and there's a grace period for all of us. But if we continuously abuse that grace period, there are going to be consequences for that abuse. <clears throat> Verse 1 through 2, the chosen of God, their covenant with God, made their benefit great. A, they were trusted with the word of God in spirit and in flesh, referring to 2 Timothy 3.16 and John 1 and 1. John 1 and 1 um, refers to how the word was wrapped into flesh. So that just kind of gives you some insight there. Um, you're going to hear me reference certain verses. Some of them I have. Some of them, you know, I, I, I just kind of want you to reference and maybe look back at later. Um, okay. <clears throat> so verses 3 through 4, um, yet still some didn't believe and did what they wanted to do. But God still remained faithful. God is still true, even though we are flawed. Psalms 54, I'm sorry, Psalms 51 and 4, I have sinned against you, and you are blameless in your judgment. We just have to understand there's certain consequences that come with our actions. We can't blame God for our actions, the things that we decided to do. He's blameless and faultless in his judgment. Okay, so point four. See, we're moving right along. Everybody comfortable? You enjoying yourselves? All right. Verse 5 through 6, if in my wrong it shows the righteousness or glory of God, wouldn't God's judgment be unrighteous? No. Let's take, for example, Adam and Eve. They sinned, he covered them. The first thing I want to start with is they sinned and he covered them. So we would think they sinned, punishment should immediately come. No, love. Love follows some of our actions. There are those in our lives, whether it's parents, friends, saints, that when we sin, they cover us with their love. And it's important to understand that love should always come before your consequences. Love should always come before punishment. Just like a parent, a parent will say, ah, yeah, 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 you did this. And their first immediate response might be to spank you. But you might hear in some instances, I love you, so I have to rebuke you. And these are all things that come along with consequences of our actions. <clears throat> so let's go back to Cain. Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry, I wasn't done with Adam and Eve. Um, <clears throat> so he sacrificed. They couldn't be trusted to keep God's commandment. Okay, so now let's go to Cain. Cain was marked with protection. God had placed a mark upon him. Before he even had completely moved from, from this, the scene, he marked protection upon him, which again is another scenario of love. There's love that comes with punishment. There's love that comes first and then the punishment. Then we go to Moses. Moses saw the promise fulfilled. He struck the rock twice, but he still saw everything that he was working towards his entire life come to pass. These are things that we need to hold on to because what happens is we always focus on the negative first without looking at the love. The love is important. 
So to continue on, um, even if our wrongs make a right, I think the first thing we should do is acknowledge the love that comes before the punishment. Our wrongs show the righteousness, I'm sorry, our, our wrongs show how righteous God is and his judgments are fair and deserving. Okay, now we're moving on to verse 7. Almost done. Three minutes left. <clears throat> verse 7. My wrongs may lead to a right, but judgment is still necessary to keep a balance. There must be a balance. Adam and Eve, would it have been okay for them to just completely disobey God and there be no circumstance, nothing to come afterwards? Absolutely not. Cain, the blood of your brother cries out. Would it have been fair if there was no justice for the blood of his brother? Moses could strike Jesus twice and still been able to seem by the people as greater than God. None of this would have been allowed had there not been consequences. All right? So, now we're at verse 8. <clears throat> um, because, because good may come from the bad we do, why not just continue in unrighteousness? That leads me to uh, Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. Um, to do so is to do it unto a terrifying judgment from God. I'm going to mention the first verse and the last verse. For if we deliberately go into sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, was no, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a terrifying expectation of judgment. The Lord, this is the last verse, will judge his people and a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So here's what I'm telling you. You've been through nothing. You think these situations that you're going through in your life are hell or the wrath of God? They're not. It's a light thing. It's a thing that if you really focus on the love of God, you still have an opportunity to get out. You have grace. You have Jesus to lean on. You have saints in the church to lean on. There's an open door. All you have to do is walk through it. You're not in hell. You're not tormented. You're not your situations. You're loved. And that's what we're here to give you. Hope Haven is about a place that you can come and feel his presence, feel his love, and just kind of remove the shackles from your life. And that's all I got for you. Amen. That was awesome. Awesome word, Darla. Let that soak in for a minute. Um, I'm going to start with a quick prayer. Um, Father, I just ask, Lord, um, that you would just empty me of myself, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would speak, Lord, that everything that you've downloaded, Lord, that you just use me as a vessel, God. And I want to pray right now, Lord. Um, I want to stretch all of us to stretch our hands to Sister Vanessa. We could evangelize Davis. And I want to pray strength, Lord, over her right now, God. We just um, come against this vertigo, Lord. We come against anything that's coming against her body right now. In the precious name of Jesus, we speak the blood of Jesus, Lord, from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, Lord God, that you are balancing everything in her body right now, Lord. Um, and we just thank you for healing right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for strength and peace, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And that was selfish for me, because even though I'm giving a word, I need a word today. Darnell gave a word, and I need a word <laughs> from Evangelist Davis and from um, Minister Royce as well. So um, as I was going through this, guys, I'm just going to walk through it um, as God was teaching me and just kind of like a conversation um, as I sat down to kind of go through this. 
Um, I studied the Book of Romans a little bit, just like the backdrop of what um, was happening at the time. And um, as we already know, I think Pastor Joel's talked about, um, Paul wrote Romans. And I kind of wanted to kind of know what the summary of like all this was and what we were reading. Um, And it said that salvation, that the gist of it was like salvation of the Jew and Greek or Gentile alike by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So that hit me like salvation, right? Because I grew up, you guys all know, like grew up in the faith, grew up in the church. Um, But I think that I missed the simplicity of salvation, um, and just the, the, like, just the ease of it. <laughs> um, so, and that was just me, you know, like I, I never grasped that concept. And there was two things in here um, that the first like beginning, it says the grace of God through faith. So grace is one of the definitions is unmerited divine assistance, unmerited, right? Unmerited. And then faith is the complete confidence in someone or something. So those two things of grace and faith, just the backdrop of this book and salvation hit me strong because what it did for me, the word that God gave is it takes us out of it. It lets God be God. Like the only thing that salvation has to do with us is the belief. But everything else is God. We have nothing to do with it. It was all him. Um, So that was just right there. I could have stopped right there on that word. And I was like, dang, let me just meditate on that for a minute. Um, But going, I'm going to quickly read through some of these verses and then kind of walk through each one, hopefully being within this next seven minutes. Um, So it begins, and if I had a title, I don't really have one, but it says, no one is righteous. That's what it says here in my Bible um, to start with the ninth verse. It says, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we already made the charge that Jews and Gentile alike, he keeps saying that over and over again, that's a repetitive thing in this, in this uh, chapter, Jews and Gentile alike. So that's all. Um, as are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. That's repetitive. No one, not even one, not me, not you. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now that we now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silent and the whole world held accountable to God. The whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared as righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. And I went a little bit ahead. I'm sorry, Evangelist Davis, but I did go into the next verse um, only because I try to look back, and when I read something, I go back and I kind of walk through it like a story, and I walk through it in segments. So I'm like, how? What's Paul's writing, and how? What's his writing style, and what's he getting at here? What? What's he trying to explain to us? And it seems as though he starts out to to explain um, in the Book of Romans, he's talking to both Jews and Gentiles, but he's also talking to the church as a whole at times. So you can see how his writing style flows in and out. Like at times, you can see a verse is like targeted at Jews, and then it's targeted at Gentiles, and it's like, okay, here's the audience. So I set that up for myself as well. But going back to 
um, these verses, it seems as though he starts with um, explaining to like explaining the law, starting going back to before Christ and, and how we're under the law. And it seems kind of harsh what he talks about, like their tongues were full of vip- like, like as vipers and they shed blood. And to me, going through and walking through the law, that's what we would be like if we tried to just walk in the law without Christ. We are capable, all of us are capable of all of those things. Like, I don't get it twisted. I know without Christ, without his grace, without his love, without salvation, if, if I'm looking at the murderer over there, I'm looking at somebody else that's done something that I'm judging in my sight, I would be too. That would be me too. We got the me too movement. That would be me too without Christ and without salvation and walking in um, the freedom that he's given us. But then he doesn't leave us. Paul doesn't just leave us in that law. He goes on to explain that the law is something that we're not, to uphold, right? Because Christ came, he didn't abolish it, but he fulfilled it. So that law isn't for us to uphold, but it does give us where it says that um, we become conscious of our sin and not through condemnation. It's just like, I think Pastor Joel has described it as like an x-ray machine. Like it brings up like these x-rays and then we know that we cannot fulfill that. I can't walk in so many times I feel like I'm trying, right? Because salvation is a free gift. But the notes that I have here, it just says that um, one of the things, and this isn't mine, I listened to um, a preacher, He's called his name is Judah Smith. And if you get an opportunity, he has this um, 10 minute talk on loving Barabbas. It changed my life. It changed my whole perspective on salvation and on Barabbas and, and Christ's love, really salvation for us. And one of the things he says in there is, we as, as Christians and as believers, we have a hard, hard time believing the gospel. Like not believing in Jesus, we have a hard time believing the gospel because it's simple. It's not us. It is Christ. He died. His blood shed for us is what covers our sins. And we have to go through Christ. We can't try. So many times I'm trying to pray my way out of a situation. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't pray. or I'm trying to shout my way out of a situation. I'm trying to fast my way out of a situation. And it's not that you cannot do those things. I think of those things of like working a muscle when you get in the gym, right? But first you make the choice and then you get in the gym, you work a muscle. But the salvation part of it. It's only through Christ. It's Jesus alone. It's not us. We can't do it, guys. And so many times I'm trying and I'm speaking to myself. I'm preaching to myself this morning. It's like we're trying through our works, but he really wants us to know that it's only Christ's blood that's shed that sets us free. And one of the notes that I have here is um, it's through grace and faith that we have no part. And I already said it, but I just want to go ahead and, and repeat this is that our only job is to believe. It's all he said to believe, right? Confessing with your mouth and believe in your heart. And the one thing that I do have here is that the gospel leaves God to be God alone. It takes us out of it. It takes us as far as not just us um, out of the gospel, but it takes us in our criteria. Some, sometimes we have a list, and I'm speaking for myself here, not pointing at anybody, but once you know you get saved, I was out there. I had to get, Christ had to come find me, and he had to set me free from everything that I was going through, and I still sin today. That doesn't mean that I'm righteous. Once he came and found me, it means that I know how to repent. I know who to go to. I know what to do, just like David. When I, when I sin, I want to repent very quickly, and I want that time, that lag time between that to get shorter and shorter so that I can be convicted and say, God, forgive me of my sins, but he had to come and find me, and for me, once you get saved sometimes, for me, like I got on this path, and I got very close to God and walked with him and talking with him and in that some and in that time somewhere along the line I got self-righteous 
Somewhere along the line, I started looking at others, and I'm like, well, you need to do this, or you need to do that, or this is how you get to salvation. This is how you get to... No, 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 no. He gave us one command, right, to confess with our uh, mouths and believe in our hearts. We don't get to decide who deserves salvation by our criteria. It's not our criteria. It's God's criteria, and he's given us very specific instructions. And one thing that I have here is that we are all his children, Jews and Gentiles alike. We are all his children, every single one of us. So as we walk around, whether you think somebody is a believer or whether they're not a believer, we are to love them. Back to Darnell's message. We are to love them with the heart of Christ. We are to love. We don't know their heart. We cannot. It says we can't judge a man's heart. So we don't know what's in their heart. We look at the outward appearance sometimes. We don't know what's in their heart. We are to love them as Christ has loved them. And that's all I got. We're all his children. Amen. Praise the Lord. And he sent his word and healed them and delivered them. Amen. We praise the Lord for the word, for the people of God that's here today. I'll be coming from Romans, the 21st to the 26th verse. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus, going back to the 21st, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Here it says that Paul is saying this is a case of God against man. And it is a fresh and a new revelation that is made known. And it focuses on Christ, Jesus, the law, and the prophets. And it tells us that, that uh, Paul lays a foundation. It is the gospel of justification. And it reveals grace to um to the sinners, to all that believe. And, but he begins to shift from the, previous, uh, 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 from the previous scriptures, from condemnation to justification. And he cares of distinction and said there's no distinction between unrighteousness and, and self-righteousness because we are all made in the image of God. And in the image of God, as the um, Greek word for sin is hamartima, and we all fall short and come short of the glory of God. And he says that there's no distinction. There's there's no way that there are various degrees of uh, uh, various degrees of sin. I don't care if you're in the valley sinning or in the mountain or on the mountaintop sinning. We all still fall short, and there's no there's no separation because sin is sin, and it brings a separation between us and God. And Paul begins to tell us that um, that the law was a mirror, and it revealed men 
their sin. And it was an offense between man and God. And he said that because of the law, that anyone that was guilty of the law, any sinner that was guilty of the law was already condemned and going to eternal hell. hell. But he brings in from condemnation to justification and said that when we're justified with Christ, it brings us back into a relationship with Christ. It brings us back into the right standing with Christ. But the law brought a separation back in an old testament it said that it, it, it gave a new revelation when it said the law of the christ and prophets because the the prophets began to give a forbearing a, a foretelling and a foreshadowing of christ and when isaiah said that he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of his peace was upon us and with his stripes we are healed that was foretelling of christ to come that he was going to get on the cross and bear because what i this week I was sick, but I think and praise God for the time right now because when I look at the justification and I was made right and brought in a right standing with God before, if I had not came, anybody that does not come unto the um, grace and the truth of God, they're still under the law and the law brings a damnation. It brings a, a, a way to, uh, to go to eternal hell, but Jesus Christ got on the cross because God himself saved us. He, God himself, God himself, now let me say, now I wrote it down, so ain't no need to be thinking about it. God himself gave himself to save us from himself. God delivered us to save us from the wrath to come. So the ones that in the end time, when it comes down to the end, what's the part, is the, why it's going to part to send them to the eternal hell is the part that did not accept Jesus Christ as the personal savior. God sent his son in our place. We could have died or sent us death, but God sent us so we can have a right relationship and a fellowship with him. And the only thing that we need to lay down before God is our sin uh, because there's no excuse the Bible said shall we continue in sin that grace may abound God forbid God forbid that we continue in something that he is he said let us come together God is so merciful he said let us come together let us reason God has made an opportunity for us to come before him and to lay down and get right he so he is so merciful that he sent his son in our place to die death that we should have gotten but because the justification made us just and made us right made us have a relationship when there was no relationship when there was a separation God drew us back to him the moment we first believe we were totally forgiven of God it takes place immediately and all it takes is faith it's a grace and these works is only through grace, the gift of God, through Jesus Christ, his son. And it's a work, uh, it's a faith walk. This is we can believe. God said he that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder, that he's a God that saves and a God that forgives. He said, as we the one keep remembering stuff. But he said, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgression because all he sees is the blood of Jesus. And Jesus Christ's blood has wiped the slate clean. And, 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 and so it's through faith, not because it's a church membership. It's not because I pay my tithes. It's not because I take communion. It's a grace. It's a faith walk. And it's because Jesus Christ, the work was already done on the cross. It's nothing that we had to do anything. But only thing he, the only vehicle and the only condition that we can do is accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior because the work was already done on the cross.
And it's through justification, God's grace has turned away his wrath. Thank you, Jesus, because Jesus died our death and he carried and endured our judgment to declare that punishment cannot be justly inflicted because it's by the cross that we got justified freely and it's free indeed. Whom the son makes free is free indeed. Glory be to God. And without the cross, the justification of unjust will be unjustified and unrighteous. But the demonstration of God's righteousness righteousness was at Calvary's cross and the witness was the law and the prophets and the writings and even though the Mosaic law gave down the ten commandments and only thing we need to know now is the commandment of Jesus whosoever will confess your faults lay them down at the altar believe and receive and casting no fear and casting all doubt away from you and not doubt because he that doubteth the damn if he eateth not of faith and whatsoever is not a faith is sin uh, and sin brings a separation uh, sin separates us from God and what Paul is saying that we have to stand before God there's going to be a white throne judgment where he's going to say, depart from me, your works of iniquity, i never known you. Or there's going to be a and it's going to be a judgment at the Bema Seed. And that's going to be the seed of rewards. And we want to be as the people of God at the seed of rewards to get our rewards from heaven and from the works we have done. And, and one thing in closing, and, and about the various Old Testament, the law was done away with, but the great grace and truth came by Jesus' cross and the blood shed from the crown, from the hands, from the feet from the side for the blood that trickled down on our behalf for our family members who have not, he said, salvation, um, Acts said 2 and 39, to them that are far off, that blood shed of Jesus Christ, the justification to get right, to bring us closer to God. And Job says, and one thing, this is my favorite book of the Bible, Job, not because he suffered, but in the midst of the whirlwind, he was still able to hear the voice of God. And he said, though my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand at the earth at the ladder day in the all these although these worms eat up my flesh although these worms eat up my body though in my flesh I still shall see God and even in the latter day when we get put in the ground or even the ones get caught up to meet them in the air we're gonna stand to see God and we can stand justified because he's not a man that he's a liar and then son of man that he repent he said he do it God his word had made it good and his word has already been done God bless you Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. There's not much really I have left to say. Amen. They literally hit all the points. Amen. Amen. So I'm at the end of Romans chapter three and every point that was made from Darnell, which spoke on love, from Kara, which spoke on Christ alone and Evangelist Davis, which spoke on justification through faith. That's exactly what the last five verses of Romans three is talking about. They hit all the points here, so I really don't have to say much, but I'm going to give you what God has given me, all right? So I'm just going to read it, and it says at verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. 
Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make the law void through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Amen. So we find here the 27th verse. Uh, Paul asks a very simple question, and he's being facetious when he says it, because he says, so where is the boasting then? And he's talking to both the Jew and the Gentile, because we were both grafted into the family of God through Christ. And Paul, in the third chapter of Romans, is really talking to the religious man. And the religious man here is broken up into two portions, those who knew God under the law and those who know God under grace or under uh, salvation or through Christ. And he's talking to both sets because both are arguing with each other. And, they're, and, you know, one side is saying, you know, the ones that were, you know, under the law or the Jew, Jews. And there's only two sets of people. There's the Jews and there's everybody else, which is considered the Gentiles, as Kara said already. So you have the Jews who are saying, you know, we were here when Moses gave all those 600 and some laws. You know, we abode by it. We went through all the trials and tribulations. We've seen God deliver us. We've seen God do so many things. And we've lived this thing. And we've been here since the beginning, since God has established this whole thing. And we have more of a right to be. And if salvation was had a hierarchy, they would say we have the right to be on the top. And then you have those Gentiles, you know, others who came through and said, well, Christ came and Christ did all of that. All that you went through, he didn't make it void, but he fulfilled everything that we needed to go through. So there was nothing that we really needed to go through. Christ did all of that for us. We didn't have to go through all that. So if anything, we would be on a much higher plane than you because we didn't even have to go through all of that. All of that was for naught because Christ came and he came with the uh, plan of redemption and he came and he saved us and he did all of that for us already. So you have two sides arguing. And what they don't realize is that there are two sides to the same coin. That coin is going to the same place. That coin you can take to the bank. That coin is eventually going to go to the same place. And it's, it's like when me and my sister used to argue who would ride in the front of the car. We were both going to the same place. We just wanted to be up front. We just wanted to see everything that the person in the back couldn't see. But the end result was we were all going to the same place. And that's here what Paul is saying. No one has the right to boast because we're all going through to the same place. We all have the same end result. We're all getting the same justification through faith because we're all saved through the redemption plan. We're all saved through Christ Jesus who has come and died on the cross for us and has redeemed us from the penalty of sin. Amen. So he goes on to say, after we have found all that out, now that we know that we're all going to the same place, no one can boast because truth be told, no one is so holy, no one is so righteous, no one is so blameless, no one is so faultless where they can say, I'm better than you or I've done more than you. My service is greater than yours. I come down here on this day and I do this or I serve under the pastor or I preach this or I do that or I go out and I heal the sick or I go out and I feed the poor. No, all of that. All of that has nothing to do with the end result. As Kara said, it's Christ alone. All that is just saying that Jesus 
is the reason why we are going to the same place. Amen? So Paul goes and he says, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And this was very controversial to me because, you know, the first scripture that popped up in my head was the book of James. And I believe it's in the third chapter where he says, Faith without works is dead. But here it seems like Paul is saying faith is Faith is all that we need, and we don't need works. And what I realized is that Paul is actually setting us up to get to what James was talking about. And he says, justification by faith. We are justified by our faith. But what James is saying is, in order to keep your faith alive so you can be justified, you have to have those works. So they're not contradicting each other. They're just putting everything together for us, and we have to understand that we are justified. What does justified mean? Justified means we are righteous. Righteous means we are made right with God. We are made right with God because Christ came and he paid that penalty of the sin. Before we had to go through that whole atonement, we had to go to the priest. We had to lay our hands on our goat and we had to put our sins on that goat. And he would go and he would make us uh, justified with God by the atonement of the sin offering. So Jesus came and he did all that and we became justified through that. We became right through that. And we become right now by our faith in Christ. Our faith is what Paul is really speaking of here. Paul is really saying that we must have certain qualifications of faith, and once we meet those qualifications of faith, then we are justified. And then the works that we do help build our faith to keep us alive. We have to keep exercising. It's, it's like Kara said, you go to the gym to work out. You're building things. You're, you're, you're building certain muscles. You're building certain things. And that's what works do for us. Works cannot get us into heaven, but works build our faith so that we can remain justified. Amen? So faith, the qualifications of faith, and if I could give you an analogy, you guys know I love analogies, all right? If I can give you a little anecdote, so three blind men came to a priest, and I'm talking back in the, the, the Old Testament. Three blind men came to the priest, and, and they said, you know, they say you can't see God's face and live. Well, we're blind. We want to know what God is like. So the priest is indulging them. He's like, you know what? Let me just do something for them. So he takes them all, and he takes them to the back, and there's an elephant standing there. And he said, before you is God. Go up and meet God and tell me about it. So the first blind man goes, and he goes to the leg portion of the elephant, and he runs right into it, and he jumps back because he's so scared. He's like, oh my gosh, that thing is so strong. It's like a pillar. God is like a pillar, and he leaves because he's so terrified because of how big it is and how great it is. So the priest says, all right, you wanted to see God, but your faith doesn't, that's, that's not what it is. So first blind man goes. Second blind man comes, and he goes, and he touches the tail of the elephant. And he says, wow, God is like a strong rope. You know, I can, I, I can take this rope. I, it, it can help me lift things. It can help me bind things together. It can help me do all sorts of things that I couldn't do without it. So God is like a rope. So the priest said, okay, you almost got it. You almost got it. But there's, you know, there's more that I need. So, you know, you didn't get the full portion of God. So then the last blind man goes up to the elephant and he goes to the to the, to, to, to the stomach of the elephant, to the big portion of the elephant. And he goes and he touches the elephant. He touches the stomach and he's thinking it's God. And he's like, oh my gosh, I know what God is like. God is like a wall. Oh my gosh. Then, then, then he did something the other blind man didn't do. He stopped. He leaned on the wall. He said, wow, this wall is strong. 
He stopped. He put his head up to the wall, his, his ear up to the wall. He said, wow, this wall is alive. This wall is actually living. God is alive. This wall is living. Then he, he, he took his surroundings and he says, oh, my gosh, you know, when I step back, the sun is here. But when I step in here, this wall gives me shade. This living, strong, breathing wall gives me shade. And the priest said, you got it right. This is how our faith is. So you, you know, the first blind man came and he just knew of God. He just knew of God. And then he was so afraid that he just got sput so close and he just knew of God. The second blind man came. He knew of God and he was able to articulate God. He was able to explain God. But the third man came and he was able, he, he was able to know God. He knew of God. He was able to articulate God and he was able to experience God. And that's how our faith is. When we have faith, the full qualifications of our faith is we're supposed to, in order to be justified through our faith, we have to know of God. We have to be able to articulate God to one another, and we have to be able to experience God. And no one can say that your experience is greater than another person's experience because all of our experiences are different. That's why each blind man went to different portions of the elephant because everybody experiences God differently. But the one blind man that got everything, he was able to experience God. And that's how it has to be when we are justified through our faith. Our faith allows us to experience God, and that's why we are justified. Once we get our faith to that level, we can be justified, amen, to salvation, amen, amen, and, and that's all I have, I took up my 10 minutes, I thought I was going to take up two, I had more, but I'm going to stop there because of the 10 minutes, amen, amen, so I hope you guys got something out of each and every one of these speakers, each and every one of us, amen, Darnell spoke on love, Evangelist Davis spoke on Jesus only, amen, and Sister Kara, I'm sorry, Kara spoke on uh, Jesus only, and Evangelist Davis spoke on justification through Christ, and they just preached my message, amen. Amen. You guys be blessed. All right. How many of you guys enjoy the word today? Did you guys understand Romans 3? Did that help? Did they break it down for us? I thought they did a phenomenal job. Can we give them a hand clap one more time? That's right. And I appreciate them because... They were obedient. I asked for 10 minutes. Y'all worked within 10 minutes. You know, I come from an era where we say 10 minutes and somebody, I'm going to let the Lord have his way. And we go another 30. So I thank y'all for being obedient and, and working within that time. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and really look at Romans 3 because you guys really uh, took some layers off. Um, and it's wonderful to see that you guys really studied to show yourself approved. So we thank them again for a wonderful word. Amen. At this time, thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go, the number two, hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.